Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special team fight talk show. That's right. It was the night before Worlds and all through the house. Uh, everyone was just basically playing TFT. There was no, no special ending to that one. I'm Doa. Of course, Frodan is with me as always. And we have a very special guest today for our very special episode is Ram Kev. On the night before he competes in the World Championship, decided that he would come on the show and hang out. What a guy. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good uh excited excited for tomorrow or yeah i guess it's tomorrow yeah yeah it's tomorrow it's just like 3 a.m tomorrow so it's yeah, very early yeah. in the morning <laughs> frodan how you doing i'm doing all right i mean yeah it's gonna be an early day uh you know na plays a little bit at disadvantage because of time zones but i mean we have to let the rest of the world you know get a little bit of an edge uh, to make it balanced and even you know yep exactly yeah that's this is oh that's what it is this is the na nerf this is how this is how they keep uh, you know NA is like not the best region. It's it's all conspiracy. Yeah. I see Strictly it just because of timing. Yeah, it's like I'm seeing. I can read the matrix now, man. Like I I understand it. We've we've got a lot to talk about today. It's a a lot of a lot of esports news. Obviously, uh, digesting you know what may go on at Worlds, all that kind of stuff too. Um, but first, we need to get to know our guests a little bit better. Obviously, we're gonna get to see you play a lot of games this weekend, but rant or this week rather. But uh, Ramkev, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up in TFT? How did you find yourself in Worlds? Like, what, what, what's your process to go from just discovering the game to in the World Championships? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so basically, um, I started off playing Dota Auto Chess. So I played that for a decent amount. And then, uh, like, around the summer of 2019, I think that will, if I remember correctly, is when, like, uh, the offshoots started popping up like TFT and uh, Dota Underlords. Mm -hmm. So I actually first played Dota Underlords and then uh, that game got unbearable. So I started playing TFT. So that was around like mid set two, I want to say. Okay. So I'm, I played a bit of set one, like just in the beta test. Uh, Cause you know, that's, you know, everything was fresh and exciting, but like eventually you have to choose one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I started just like playing like, TFT instead of Dota Underlords, uh, like mid set two. Um, then you know I played, you know, semi seriously. I, I think I got up, got up to Challenger, um, but wasn't really like top of ladder. Um, and then you know set three came around, set three point five, uh, and like the same thing. Um, the main thing is like I didn't really try to climb in rank. Uh, I just played on two accounts, right? So uh, the the, main, the big problem with playing on two accounts, and if you can't devote, like, all of your time to the game, uh, which, like, during that time and, like, even now because I'm a student, uh, you can't really do that all the time. Uh, if you're playing on two accounts, uh, basically all I was doing is playing Decay games every week, and it was just mm -hmm. play Decay games, and you can't really climb, right? Um, and yeah, so then you just accidentally make it to Challenger. I know how that is. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, basically, because I just had... Yeah. Wait, like with the decay games, both accounts were like around GM or so, and then like at the end of set three point five, I was like, I'll just get this other like one of my accounts up to a uh, challenger, and then set four, I just played on the one account, um, and you know I entered like I, I was in one giant slayer tourney, um, and it was like one of the challenger series, and so I won that. Um, it was like around, it was like towards the end of set four when Ari and Ash were in meta. And then, 
yeah, I played Talon there, and then I got first, and then I got into one of the regional the regional qualifier, like the ones leading up to the. Well, I guess this the latest one was the regional qualifier, but you know, one of the right first bit of points. Um, yeah, I didn't do too hot there because like the first game, uh, I tried to play Warlords, and then. You know, warlords. You roll. I want to roll down at seven to hit some cats, right? And I rolled down mm-hmm. all of my gold, and I didn't find a single cat. And so, uh, I tilted, and then you know, yeah, I just tilted for the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, then I then I found out I qualified for the regional qualifiers off off of just ladder points. So that was that was pretty good. Um, and then I just played in the tournament, and now I'm here. Nice. Now you've made it all the way to Team Fight Talk Show. Congratulations! Yeah. It's a it's a big achievement. It's true. Uh, what I, I have to ask: What was the moment where, or was there even a moment when you were like, "All right, I'm going to be playing this seriously now. Like, this is something where I want to really try to be the best." Mm-hmm. I mean, so like, normally when I play TFT, it's mostly just just to have fun. Uh, for a lot of it, like, like even now, like whenever I play on ladder, it's not like. I try to climb at all. Um, I, I'm more so just like wanted to be like, okay, I think this comp is fun to play right now. I'll just play this comp uh, in this particular game. And I'll do that like for like, you know, two out of two thirds of my games. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, um, you know, there, there's like one time when I was streaming. Uh, so this was back when I had like two viewers. Um, and one of my viewers is uh, currently my mod. Um, he like asked me like, what do you think separates me or what do I think separates me from like the people at the top of the ladder? And honestly, like I told, I told him that like, I, I don't think that there was anything like in terms of skill that separated me from the people, from people like at the top of the ladder. I just thought that like, you know, there's a very specific type of discipline that you need to, to reach like top 10, top one on the ladder. Right. And, um, <laughs> I just kind of don't have that discipline. Um, because I, I, if I had to play, like, for example, you know, when Kale is strong, if I had to play Kale, like, 15 out of 20 games, I just wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't do that. Because it, it's just, it's, that, that would just, it's, it's like food, right? If you, if you eat the same food all the time, you're probably going to get sick of it. It's the same thing, That's right? True. If I had to play Kale 15 out of 20, 20 games, mm-hmm. I'd probably get sick of playing TFT as a whole. Um, what food best represents, represents Kale counts? Uh, Not ramen. Uh, yeah, not ramen, maybe not, spinach. Not ramen. <laughs> Actually, I kind of like I kind of like spinach. Maybe Brussels sprouts. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. So one of those you vegetables is good after for you. Food. That's what makes it really funny. You're like yeah, comparing yeah. it to food, but can you have ramen twenty out of twenty? Uh I could. I probably couldn't have ramen twenty. Not not because I couldn't, but like it would be bad health wise. I feel like ramen Man. is more like like a bad reroll comp that you play like that you you go like you go eighth half what? of the time. But it's what like, if it's like that, anyway. broth that they take like three days to make the broth. It's like very gourmet ramen. Oh, I yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That's when you hit all of the spats and like you there hit you like. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it's still it's still the comp. It's just like with a whole bunch of other other add ons. Right. Okay. Actually, I want to ask you this since uh, you tend to be, you know, one of the more open players that we'll see. Um, what do you think? makes a complete tft player can you like go over like some of the things that you feel like is really comprehensive that you know encompasses what you believe to be peak tft skill right so peak tft skill first i think um i mean first off i think you have to be able to play every comp in the game um i think 
you know, if, if I hear a player is like, oh yeah, I don't really play this comp because I'm unfamiliar with it, then I'll be like, well, okay. Uh, you know, I, they're not but, that good. But, is that what but you're obviously saying? like, you know, there are people that don't, don't play every comp in the game. It's like, and they do yeah. very well. Right. So, but like, just for my personal, for my personal preference, I think that like, uh, if you don't utilize every unit in the game, especially, especially now, right. In set four with a chosen mechanic, if you can't do that, you're losing out on a lot of value. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the other thing is just like, um, like conscientious decision-making at every point in the game. Um, so things like positioning, things like looking forward and where you think your comp is going to go, things, uh, things along those lines. Um, you know, if you're always paying attention to stuff like that, I think is very, very important. Um, so like, you know, obviously if, if you're playing like a few comps, that's, it's good because it kind of hones that skill, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing is, like, if you get into tournament, and this is this is what happens, I think, a decent amount in tournaments, is, like, if you're playing a bunch of good players who also play the same comps that you do, you're probably not going to do that well, right, if you end up being contested in all of your lobbies, right? Um, so I think that, you know, being able to utilize all of the tools that the game offers you is something that's very important. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's I a agree. special shout out to New Bowel and Ramblin and yeah. all the players that made it to the final day, and they were like, "I'm gonna go mage," and the guys like, "Yeah." Me. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. "Okay, we're all like bot forty. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes that's gonna happen, right? It's just like, you know, obviously, like if you're very good at a comp, like, you know, it's very good, but, mm. uh, you know, there there are gonna be days when you end up playing X comp and then, you know, you could be the best in the world at playing that comp, but let's say like second best in the world at playing that comp is also in the same lobby as you, right? Yeah. And, you know, most likely only one of you is going to go first and it's not like, you know, second best in the world is that much worse at playing that comp than you are. So whoever hits is probably going to do well and whoever doesn't is probably going to go bot four, right? It's kind of the tournament meta too, where it's like, if you do something like that and it, and it goes really well on like the first day or two, then you're kind of setting yourself up to be more contested and do worse as the tournament goes on too. Yeah. So you kind of, yeah, it almost feels like you might hamstring yourself a little bit sometimes by doing that, by just like showing something that looks too good, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kev, talk to me about your confidence level. I think a lot of people are, you know, understandably still like saying, you know, that you're flying under the radar. Do you feel as confident as the, some of the other people going into the world champion saying like i definitely belong on this world stage or do you feel like this is still so new to you that it's like unfamiliar territory and you're kind of figuring it out um i mean i think i personally just think you know i'm just playing against other players that like the people that i've been playing against haven't felt like you know oh my god i, I can't beat this person you know they're, they're just too good right i think that like I'm either even like at least even level, I want to say. Um, and you know, some people might not believe me, but I personally think that. Uh... Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some TFT news. And of course, one of the TFT news pieces that came out was there's a little bit of a patch, uh, patch 11.7, some, uh, some buffs, some nerfs. Obviously, there are the buffs in front of us, but. Uh, overall, I, I feel like there weren't a lot of big changes that came out of this patch. Um, maybe perhaps the, the biggest one is that, again, the, the Fabled composition line got a little bit stronger still. Although I think that's kind of a topic up to a little bit of debate yet. Um, 
Ram, Kev, what have you kind of noticed, uh, if any, the, the biggest differences coming out of this patch going to Worlds would be? Because, again, the idea is to not change a whole lot. So what, what have you noticed? Um, honestly, I don't think the game has changed too much. I think, you know, maybe the, the big thing is, like, before, Fable was, like, a really, really bad cop. Like, mm-hmm. I would say, like, when, when the regionals was being played, Fable was, like, exceptionally bad. I want to say, and it's it's a result of like Nico had less damage. Um, you add that on to like no Vanguard buffs, and then you add that on to how kind of poor her targeting is. Um, it's just a uh, you know during that time it was very like I would say unplayable. I tried I you know I I had like one fabled game during during regional qualifiers, and it was like a sixth. And I, I feel like I I still decently high rolled, right? I got Nico three. Uh, I had like great items, and you know it wasn't. It's just like it, it's it, it wasn't like it doesn't have any damage like okay. at that point. But like nowadays, right. you'll see like it's definitely doing a lot better. Um, I think even um, even with just a Nico two, you can stabilize pretty well. Um, and in a decent amount of cases, if you have like the proper upgrades, the proper items, you can probably top four a lobby with Nico two. Uh, so that's probably the big thing um, that I noticed. Okay. Everything else seems like relatively the same. I mean, like you're not gonna see too many Irelia threes in your game. Obviously, you're not probably not gonna see too many Vlad threes, but you know, yeah. maybe maybe they're maybe they're decent as well. Vlad three, yeah, Vlad three is the under uh, the underrated OP. Nobody knows yet. Frodan, mm-hmm. what have you noticed? I've noticed that streamers try chasing it more often. Uh, streamers mm-hmm. like, you know, they like playing Darius 3 a lot just to see how far mm-hmm. they can push their streak with it. I've it seen fun. people play nine cultists oh, yeah. and try to go Vlad 3. Um, I've seen people play like Adept Slayers and just like make Irelia 3 their main tank and just like forget anything else. And uh, Irelia with like the full tank bill, which is like, you know, basically Bramble Vest, Dragon Claw plus any other tanky item. Mm-hmm. Is that like maybe an Orn item? Is just like actually unkillable, except uh, unless they get like true damage from set. So um, there's some interesting spicy stuff that you might see like alternative win conditions. I'm thinking about how you know every now and then in in the qualifiers you saw people play like three star by three star Jarvan warlords, right? And that did like well enough for like a top two, top three. You might yeah. see like one or two of those throughout World Championships. Like oh, they just happen to high roll like a, a three star very early of some of these unconventional champions and actually land top four. And then Morse can be like, look at all these cool diverse builds that come out because of this one person that did well in the top four. So that's my prediction of what's going to happen from this patch. Oh, uh, Talon is also like a lot more reasonable. Um, yeah, that, that comp has been making a comeback. Yeah, yeah. For so, sure. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But overall, the meta is in a really stable spot. Um, I actually, one thing that's been surprising is the amount of people in the lobbies. Uh, it's the end of the set. So I think a lot of people don't take the LP results nearly as seriously. And mm-hmm. so you have a lot more people chatting now in game than usual at like Masters GM and Challenger. Uh, and a lot of people are talking about how they enjoy the patch currently. They think it's actually in a good spot. So, you know, I mm-hmm. think like overall, you know, we had like, some rocky moments in set 4.5, but I think yeah. we landed in a really good spot. I, I agree. I feel like over time we're starting to see, you know, those moments come a little bit fewer and farther between too. So overall, it seems like that the balance is starting to get a little bit more consistent, which is, which is great. And I think I think again, like these last couple patches are probably some of the best patches we've ever had for TFT in a competitive sense, just in terms of uh, viability of so many different comps and so many different little things, like you mentioned, where 
you know, maybe you do go for the Vi 3 or the Aurelia 3 and, like, play something a little bit spicier with that. But uh, it is great. And on that note of uh, balance and changes to the game over time and all that, there was a really interesting article that came out uh, called uh, Slash Dev Team Fight Tactics colon Fate's Learnings. And uh, it, was a, it was a great article. Uh, Mort wrote this one, I believe, and uh, it was a really great insight into sort of the mind of uh, not just him, I believe, but the development team in general as far as how they approached Fates, things that they tried that worked, things that they tried that they felt didn't work that well. But I always love reading about the mindset that goes into uh, game design and the thought process that uh, that's uh, involved in there. And so we wanted to take a couple look, uh, take a look at a couple specific things. And uh, this one is uh, probably one of the ones that a lot of people are talking about. Um, and we'll highlight the the bold part. So uh, they said, for now, we're going to look at set mechanics that will that still fit our primary goals of adding variety and uniqueness to the game with a caveat. Since Elemental Hexes, Galaxies, and Chosen all felt uh, very out of your control, we're also going to be exploring ways to add some player agency to set mechanics to see the impact that has on the game. And uh, that's really interesting. So I wanted to get your takes on that, Ram, Kevin, Frodan, um, about that statement and what you think it might mean. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. First. I should have thrown that to one of you specifically. Yeah. Sorry, I failed as a host right there. I'll throw that. You know, I was going to throw it to our guests, but Ram, have you already pre-threw to Frodan? So, we'll, Frodan, go ahead. Yeah, I'm curious what this means. Uh, you know, I, there are rumors that some people uh, outside of Ride have been able to try out Set 5 so far in Reckoning. And, uh, you know, just talking about, like, how different it is just from mechanic separated from things like Elemental Hexes, Galaxies, and Chosen. Uh, these kinds of mechanics all have one thing in common, which was like, here's like a, a situation that was not sit like the one you had previous game, uh, and how do you deal with it? And yeah. so when they're saying like, we want to add some more player agency to set mechanics, that's really intriguing to me. It's like, do we get to choose? Like, are we like voting on certain things? I'm not sure. Like, I, like what, what, what does that really mean? So I don't, it's very open-ended. Um, and honestly, I, I, I've like kind of gone full circle several times on things like the chosen mechanic in galaxies that like, at first I, I loved the idea. Then like playing it 300 games was like, okay, I'm kind of bored of this. And then like realizing that I'm a noob and there's like ways that I can get edges over my opponents of just it all being random. And then coming back to like, okay, I'm ready for a new mechanic. This is kind of boring again. So it's like becoming this like cyclical thing. So the only thing that I care about is whether or not there's freshness um, throughout the entire set. You know, I, I, I'm not here to debate about the design merits of Chosen versus not uh, of other things. But I just want like TFT to still feel like, you know, fresh and good uh, as much as it did in game number 50 versus game number 500. That's what I care. Ram Kev, what's, uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it does sound interesting. Um, so the one kind of apprehension that I have is, uh, so as I mentioned, I came from Dota Underlords, and it sounds like they're trying to do, implement something similar. Um, so in Dota Underlords, they did this thing where you choose an Underlord at the beginning of the game, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that was up to your control, right? So it's kind of like, you know, a, a, you know, a set mechanic that you can control. The issue, I think the big thing comes with, like, balancing, right? Because... I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. always the top player is going to... If it's something like that, and maybe it won't be something like that, but it, if it is something like that, right? Um, I mean, the top players are always going to be able to figure out, like, okay, this is the most busted thing you can do, right? And if that's the case, you know, if it's something that you can choose at the beginning of the game, then, like, they'll probably just do it at the start of every game, you know, because, you know, it's the best thing to do. 
Um, so it, it does, if it's something like that, it would require like a really, really like in-depth look at balancing just to make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong. It's yeah. something completely different. That's a really good point because uh, it seems like with each additional set mechanic since Elemental Hexes, they've made it more difficult for them to balance, right? Like Hexes were hard to balance, but Galaxies became even trickier to balance. And then now Chosen, which is like every single champion is almost like, in a, in a sense, like an opportunity for you to have wild imbalances, which ended up being the case. Mm-hmm. Um, if they if they take you know that underlords that Hearthstone Battlegrounds approach where like here's all your like you know things and that that does create a really difficult uh, balance dynamic and as uh, I know from those games as well so we'll see though it's going to be interesting yeah we'll we'll see what it ends up being I, I think the big principle that's always uh, been in the forefront of my mind with anything like this any any element of randomness which of course there is variance in TFT at a lot of different degrees is that the is that you follow the process of the random thing happens and then you are able to react to it rather than, so the choice has to come after the random element, you know? And uh, if you think about the trajectory we've, we've had in TFT, that's that's pretty much always been the case, right? Where the hexes are determined before the game begins in set two, you could react to those. In set three, the galaxies were put out in front of you at the beginning of it and it was on you to react to those and chosen as well, you know? You had the option, but you knew what your odds were to find different chosens. So there was variance, but it was all put out in a way where the decision would happen after the random thing happened. So as long as that continues to be the case, that's kind of the only requirement I have, is that we still uh, make player agency the the determining factor, which obviously they've said that's what they want to do, so I, I'm not super concerned. But it will be interesting to see what ends up uh, popping up with that, for sure. Yep. We already know they're going to do some uh, other interesting mechanics, like uh, the... The Teemo one, Teemo costing HP instead of gold. That's going to be interesting to see people play around with. So uh, there's already some some kind of uh, unique stuff that they've teased a little bit already. But uh, let's move on to the next one. See what else we have here. Uh, we have the power of champs relative to cost. So this was sort of the discussion of where do the you know the five cost champion power fit compared to like the three star one costs obviously they mentioned when we had uh, the pikachu build or the shredder build where zaya was uh, dominating everything basically but then we had the other end of the spectrum where we had the uh, kane two star basically being unkillable like they're saying and doing a lot of damage as well um and so where do we kind of end up on that spectrum and i feel like at the end of this set at the end of set four we ended up in a pretty good place where the five costs were notably strong um and you could find a lot of ways to use them even if your comp didn't fit all the same synergies they had but they they didn't feel overwhelming a lot of times there were some moments of course like the cane moment of course um but overall i i thought it was pretty good and i liked the way five costs have been implemented here but uh ramkev what do you think about that as far as uh power of champs relative to cost what what is your perfect world in that uh, sense right yeah i mean i think um you know, all all of the power of the champs relative to cost, it, it should follow like it's certain type of cadence, right? Obviously, you know, one cost carries should, you know, be easier to hit. Like full three star should be easier to hit in the early game, so it should, you know, it should be strong for maybe two to three rounds, or maybe maybe two rounds at max, I would say. Um, and then probably you'd like to see that fall off of it, and then you know, as you scale it up, you know, sort of similar type things. With everything else, um, I will say that uh, 
I think right now the set has been doing a decent job at it because right now there's a, I would say there's a very big, or there's like a nice diversity in terms of, you know, the carries that you can play. Um, you know, earlier in the set, there was that entire reroll meta, right? Where either you play, either you play a one cost reroll, hit that three star, yeah. uh, or you play Kale. And those are the only two comps that you can play, right? Or like two types of comps. It's like Kale and then reroll. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, like, it's like a very four star or four cost heavy meta, right? Um, but I'm, I'm glad, like right now, I think there are a lot of three, three cost units that are, you know, seeing a lot more play, right? Like I think a lot more people are playing Kalista carry. A lot more people are playing Akali carry, right? So those are stuff that, like, you know, it should be harder to carry those as like a, you know, as a two star upgrade. But you know, it's also easier to hit the hit the three stars for for those like three cost three cost carries, right? So you know, I feel like if you th- three three star those, it could be on par with like a two star four cost carry or a two star five cost carry, right? Um, just like in terms of the amount of gold that you have to spend and like the, the amount of resources that you have to go into building those types of carries. But I, th- I think, you know, it, it's been hit or miss depending on the patch. But right now, I think it's in a good spot. Yeah. What do you think, I Rodan? Think the, um, I think the most interesting sentence in this paragraph is the very last one, uh, which is while a lot of our top or challenger players like this play style that really did shut out other ways to play, like going for three stores or vertical compositions. Uh, which already describes to to us one of the dip, most difficult dynamics about TFT is you know what what kind of game is this for right is it if, is it for you know competitive players to really show off their sick mahjong go skills or um, are they are they trying to play you know sh- trying to have casuals to relive the League of Legends fantasy with all kinds of different zaniness and wacky situations and the answer is both right like they clearly try to care about both uh, echelons of play. But, um, you know, in this situation, it was just very amusing to me because for like a week or two, you just get you get to see like nonstop awful takes on, on Twitter and Reddit. Of just like legendaries are just so like too strong. They're so easy to play. You just play legendaries like and, and to me, it just like screamed to me that you had no idea how to play that comp if you think it's easy. Um, and to this and to this day right now, legendaries is still like one of the hardest ways that you can actually play the game, um, but like one of the most rewarding. So. It made me a little sad that 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 patch, uh, you know, it was so negatively received by the casual player base because I thought it was one of the sure. coolest things. Every time I'm teaching someone how to play TFT, uh, and I get a chance to show them a fast nine legendary strat and walk them through like how fast you have to be cycling through and constantly making micro adjustments and all these different things, and like you have like six different item carries until you finally hit Samira. It's uh, it's really, really sweet, and they always walk away feeling like they got so many lessons out of that. And I wish that there was more things like that in the game, but I can understand that if it's the most dominant play style, that people would hate it. Yeah, you you can definitely see it. I I I like five cost being strong. I've never minded uh, a bunch of five cost being the strongest comp of the game because why wouldn't it be? It's a bunch of five costs are the strongest units, you know. And like like Dan said. It's not as easy to get there in a lot of cases as people think it is. Uh, you do have to do, you know, again, like what Dan said, in terms of really knowing what your strongest board is, not losing that win streak a lot of times. Um, you know, you have to do a lot of things to make sure you can get there safely because we've all had the games where we get to nine really fast, but then we have no HP and no gold and we buy like one star versions of each legendary and lose. And we're like, I have the legendary cop. What happened? 
And so it, it does take more skill than people realize. So I don't mind that being the pinnacle of comps in the game. Um, but going forward, I think uh, one of the interesting things that we can see incorporated is kind of a little bit of what we saw in set two with Lux kind of being this extra tier of unit that works into a lot of comps late game. And then with, uh, again, what they suggested with Teemo, where he sort of like is set apart from uh, other units as well. So you can have your five costs and have them be strong, but also add in these little things at the higher tiers to make it interesting and maybe break that up a little bit more too. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to play out in uh, set five going forward, because I think there's some wiggle room up at the upper echelons of uh, cost and power that they can do some interesting things with. So... There's my I, I really just as a small note, I still yeah. think the seven cost Lux thing was really sweet. It was <laughs> it so kind much of like fun. It, I love that like guy. when they first did that for set two, it kind of like shattered my my like it, it like I was like what like we've kind of played the game as if it was one to five, and all of a sudden you're skipping six and going to seven. That was pretty sick. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know, I I'll, I'll I look forward to see what else they do in the future. Absolutely. Well. Speaking of the future, it's time to, uh, well, it's not really, it's time to go to the future, as in we're going to the next segment of the show, but it's a segment everybody loves. It's called Agree, and we have a special extra long one today. We've got four questions to discuss instead of just three, and here's the first one. Ramkev, I'm assuming you know how to play. You just have to choose Agree or Disagree and tell us why. The first one is, the chosen mechanic was a success. Ramkev, Agree? Uh, I would agree. I would agree with that. Why is that? Um, so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't a, I wouldn't say it's a complete success in the sense that, you know, everything about it is just perfect. You know, obviously sure. there were some, you know, issues to work out. Um, like, I personally still have, you know, my, my own issues with the chosen mechanic. I think that, like, you know, one of the big things has been, oh, sorry, my alarm. Uh, one of the big things has always been, you know, people complaining about four, four star chosens at level seven right and you know before it was like 30 percent, and they were like okay this is a problem let's make it five percent right and it was like this is another problem let's make it two percent right if it, if it were that big of a problem you know you know i understand like the you know wow you, you hit you hit the four cost chosen at uh at level seven that's like a wow moment from but like from a you know from like competitive standpoint you know i think if it were that big of an issue they should have just made it zero but i think like as a whole the chosen mechanic is great and in the sense that it rewards like a very extensive game knowledge, right? Especially, you know, one cost chosen in the early game, four cost chosen in the late game, whether or not you can pick them up based off of what items you have, what units that you're currently holding, right? Whether and like those types of decisions really reward people that have like a very, very extensive knowledge of the game, right? Because a lot of people won't be able to see that type of value. All right. Yeah, I think it's a good take on it. Froden, what do you think? Agree? Uh, if you ask me, you know, this patch or the previous patch, I would say yeah. Uh, as soon as they kind of brought down the chosen percentages to the 2% for four costs, I think that's when I was like, okay, this mechanic I think is good. Uh, maybe a couple of chosen still like too strong, right? Like some early ones are just like way more skewed towards others. If you get like a cultish chosen still, it's like way too strong in my opinion. But um, outside of that, you know, I think currently it landed in a good spot, but boy, was there a lot of turbulence uh, on the way to here, man. Like we've had some really egregiously bad patches where chosen was uh, extremely skewed. I think it was of course highlighted by uh, quite possibly um, the most, 
the, the most prominent example was the four one roll down where everyone was just basically in the lottery constantly. And it just wasn't really rewarding because part of what makes so part of what makes TFT a really fun game as you continue to learn is because as you get better, you realize one, like the more you you learn the game, the less you actually realize you know. Uh, and two, like you're supposed to have all different kinds of play styles available. Uh, depending on the situation and chosen ended up giving a, a, a strong direction to the point where it was incorrect to do anything but roll on four one. Um, right. So I would say that for a big stretch of time, chosen mechanic was not a success uh, in this set, but where we landed was a good spot. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's all about how you, you finish, finish strong, you know, Doa? so I feel like I'm like a half agree, uh, slightly leaning <laughs> more towards degree, but uh, okay. if you asked me to like two episodes ago, Doa, I'd be like, I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can say that. We can give you the the double icon, the agree disagree. Yeah. We will give you the the half and half there. But but I I agree. I think uh, at the end it's definitely strong. I for me this is an easy agree. Uh, despite the the uh, ups and downs that the mechanic had throughout the set, because everything you said, Froden, is definitely legitimate. But for me, it's an easy agree because I felt like the mechanic helped me grow as a player more than any other mechanic in the game ever has. Uh, because it finally did what nothing else could do, which is uh, force me to play flexibly and like really learn every comp and not just find one that I enjoy playing and just master it to death, which is what I did in the other sets. I picked like Ocean Mages and I just got really good at playing Ocean Mages so I could move up with that. And then I did like Star Guardians and Sorcerer comps and I just did those, you know, and Hitmasters doing those and that was fine. But I wasn't a well-rounded player, whereas this set... Chosen Mechanic, I had no plans going into 90% of my games this season, aside from that one window when I only spam Keepers. But that's, we don't need to talk about that. That's besides the point. Overall, the mechanic made me play much more flexibly. I love it for that. So for me, easy agree. Let's see number two. Carousel doesn't need any major changes. It's in the sweet spot between predictability and adaptability. Ramkev, agree? It's actually hard for me to interpret this question. It doesn't need... Is in the sweet spot between predictability and adaptability. Yeah. Um, Basically, is Carousel good? While, while you mean, think, while you think, uh, you might start noticing a trend that we're basically taking clip snippets from the dev learnings cl- uh, article. Yeah, yeah, they basically true. made these statements, and we're yeah. basically agreeing or disagreeing with I mean, what Mort was writing. Yeah. I think. Well, for me, I feel like I personally have never really cared that much about Carousel. Um, like in general so really yeah i'm so like you know people all the time they talk about like item starts and like what do you want as your first item off of carousel like what do i what am i supposed to do with items here here right um and that's because a lot of the times people will have a comp in mind right so they'll be like i want to play this comp so i'm going to lead towards uh getting x item or i think x item is OP in the current meta, I'll take this first, right? Um, but, you know, there was a very long period of time, I think, right before regionals, where I was just, I was going tier rod start back when, like, people were only playing, like, Slayers in Kale. Um, because I was just like, I don't really care. I'll just start tier rod. Um, like, I've never really cared about what items I get. The only time that I think Carousel is, like, potentially bad is when people have the opportunity to just full open for like back when shredder meta was a thing right and you guarantee like get a well almost always guarantee get a spat off of the carousel so people would just 
you know, full open for it to, to you know, they would inch for spat, right? And then you try to get spat and then you play shredder, right? Um, like, I think when that that's a thing, it's a problem. But currently, I think the items are in like an all right spot. Like, there are, there are things that can be done with certain items. I think like, for example, like, tier might not be in that great of a spot right now just because a lot of the items are like, not the best, I would say. But outside of that, like, you know, I'm fine with, you know, getting belt, getting cloak, getting chain, even, like, I'm fine with getting tier, honestly. Like, but, you know, it's very different, wow. right? Like, if you, if you no, like I... playing a certain <laughs> comp all the time, then obviously, like, if you can't get the item that is required on the comp, then you're going to be worried about it. But, like, I personally, like, have never cared about what comp I'm going to play in, like, going into any game. So, for me, it's just not, not not something on the top of my mind. I can't wait to see you go for that cloak star tomorrow. In yeah, yeah. You know, that's it's one that's pretty badass. You know, because I think that uh, carousel. Wait, 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 wait a second. Hold up. Sorry, Froyan. Hold on. Wait, wait. There's nothing in the box for Ramkev right now. You didn't agree oh, or disagree. True. Oh yeah. So I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I mean, it, I, mean? I agree because I don't really care. Right. I'm sorry. You know, I would never, I would never interrupt you like that, Frodan. If it wasn't okay. a matter of crucial importance, I'm sorry I did that. But we needed the, we needed the check or the X. We got it now. Please proceed. Um, the second sentence of this in the sweet spot between predictability and adaptability, I can agree with, but I still think the carousel does need some changes from a core concept. I I think Carousel is still my least favorite thing about TFT. Just because there's it's, it tests so many arbitrary things that don't really matter in the game. Like, you know, I, I still think the opening Carousel Gambit, like, you know, does your PC load in, in a favorable speed to get into a good <laughs> position? And like, where did you spawn relative to everybody else? Like that kind of stuff, like still irks me. I, I think it's the opening Carousel that bothers me the most uh, out of anything. Um, so in terms of major changes, itemization and champion predictability and everything like that i think they've hit a really good normalization point even the all fawn carousels or all spatula starts can still be fun from time to time um so i think the the appearance rate is good just just like mechanically or just from like the game design perspective i still don't really like opening carousels just my personal preference i would much prefer something a little bit more controlled and tamed so it's not really about things that don't, that's, that's not important, right? Like if you want to test micro and positioning skills, that's what Summoner's Rift is for. Like these kinds of like small little like edge pixels that you can get. Uh -huh. That's not what TFT is trying to test in my opinion. So you disagree is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and disagree. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, uh, I, I'm surprised, Frodan, because I, th I would have thought removing the ability to run away from like the final shot that's going to kill you to like get a higher placement. Well, I thought them taking that out was going to be enough for you, but now you come for the carousels too. Yes. I'm, I'm disgusted, but, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with this as well, actually. Um, and I'll tell you why um, I, I enjoy all the, the silly little micro tricks in TFT. I, I love them to death. I loved running away when I was about to die. I, I, you know, I loved getting specific maps to let you do that farther, but uh as far as the carousel goes, I, I've spent a lot of time, you know, getting really good at getting that item component when I want to get it, you know, that, and I feel like that's a little bit of that StarCraft player in me is still getting to come through in TFT with that. Um, so I, I, can't, I can't disagree with what Frodan is saying, where do those things belong in TFT? Maybe not, but I really enjoy them, so that's okay. But the reason I disagree with this, though, is because I, because of something I said earlier, where... 
I, well, maybe kind of late or not. I'm, I've been up for like 11 hours and my brain is turning off. But what I don't like is when I've made all these plans, meticulous plans for how to put my items together. And I've, I've, you know, maybe gone on a lost streak specifically so I could pick early in the carousel and get something. And I maybe need like a bow or something. But then it ends up being an all defensive item carousel. And so through no fault of my own, I was making good decisions. Suddenly, I'm not going to get an item component that's going to help me at all. I'm not going to be able to turn things around when I needed to. And that one thing just throws off your game so completely at certain points that it tilts me off the planet. So I don't mind the carousel existing. What I don't like is specific offensive or defensive item carousels. Just make it all make it all uniform. Make it all the same thing. Maybe throw in the fawn carousel once in a while, but just, you know, no more all offensive or all defensive. So for that reason, I will disagree. Yeah. It's really valid, but also shows your true colors as a person that likes to force a comp. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I am who I am. You know, I can't, uh, I'm not going to hide from that. Let's go on to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> Fortune and pirate-like ultra-greed synergies should be in every set. Ramkev, agree? Uh, I mean, so, like, from a, you know, from, like, a excitement factor, like, there, there are two answers that I would like to give, but honestly, you know, in my deepest of, uh, understanding of myself i would probably disagree with this um obviously like you know when you play something like this like fortune or pirate it's very fun right like there's just the because it like expands the cap on how any comp right how any comp can normally be played right if you play fortune you know you end up with like four nikos and suddenly you're able to hit like a three star five cost where normally you probably would never, ever, ever, ever be able to do that unless, like, you were hard streaking for the entire game and you were level 9 without losing any health, right? And Fortune kind of lets you do that, even at level 8. I've seen people hit, you know, 3-star 5 costs at level 7, actually. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, let alone level 8. Um, so in that sense, you know, it's really fun. But, you know, I just think that it kind of... disrupts a little bit of what i think like i mean you know there there are some fun interactions like who can open port harder when you're playing fortune but like i generally don't like that method of playing i thought you know the pirate synergy is still like it's in a similar manner where like you i mean pirate was kind of different where you didn't have to open port really you just you know, use the extra gold that you get from farming coins off of people. Yeah. But especially Fortune, I think that, like, it's just... Maybe if it were better balanced, it would be, like, okay. But currently, like, the way that Fortune is, it just feels like, you know, if you're playing Fortune and you... Not even, like, high roll, right? Just, like, medium roll with it, you're almost always going to be guaranteed a first. Um, And I think that, like, something like that should not... Like synergies are still synergies right and you shouldn't be able to say like this is a synergy that i'll play and if i just medium roll it i'll get it first right i don't think that's how synergies are like my personal preference i don't think that's how synergies should be played and this is just more of like a balanced thing i think obviously i think fortune is super exciting like as a as something fun for the game but like from from like a you know competitive standpoint i think like it's it's not amazing i would probably rather have 
not not see it there. If I if I had to play tournaments or something like that, I would rather not not have that mechanic in there. All right, fair enough. What do you think, Frodan? Um, I agree. I think that they should be in every TFT set, largely because you know, let's be very honest with ourselves of what TFT it scratches, what itch in the human brain which is uh, we all like to gamble a little bit. You know, come on. That's, that's the reason we love this game. They're just like, oh, one more roll, one more, one more. Ah, we saved next carousel. More dog will truly come through this time. So uh, in the end, I think it should be in every kind of every TFT set in some capacity. Now, I think that Ramkev brings up a really good point. You know, should it allow people to slingshot from 20 HP to a first place because they get the right series of outcome on the fortune loot table? maybe dial it back maybe 12 fortune lost streaks shouldn't exist in the game but it was really exciting to see um i do think where space pirates end up landing was a really good spot in set three because my favorite week of that set watch as a as a stream watcher or stream fiend was watching kiyun for space pirates endlessly for a week straight and it's just like some of the wackiest games that you'll ever see where he was just desperately trying to stay alive and get space pirates to kill units to get items it was hilarious um, so that kind of stuff, I think, is really important in the game, uh, largely because I think what people, uh, especially competitive players, don't realize is not everyone's playing for a placing or for LP. Some people just play because they really want to do something really cool and maybe even something that is that you can't replicate unless you play a million times. The one to a million games or some for, for a lot of players is what they live to play for in TFT. So I think that's what fortune and pilot synergy should exist. So I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, all right. I'm I'm gonna agree with this one too, uh, for a lot of the reasons that uh, that Dan said, but uh, also just because I I love there being high risk, high reward synergies in you know TFT and and over time, as with Fortune, people got better at recognizing how to play it to remove a lot of that risk, and then you have to kind of reevaluate at that point. But I do like that you can choose to give up some power in exchange for a possible you know great reward that bursts you ahead and and gives you that edge in the lobby, right? And the fact that these sets uh, usually involve uh, Darius is also, you know, notable, I suppose, too. So if it means the dunking continues, you know, I would say let's keep yes. going with it. But uh, that's, uh, that's that's you know, I just enjoy the dunk. What can I say? But uh, yeah, I'll agree with that one. Okay. All right. One more. One more to talk about our extra extended edition of Agree. And this is a big one. This is a, this is a controversial one. Perhaps one of the most controversial ones we've had yet on the show. But the World's Hype video was a good way to portray TFT esports. Ramkev, agree? Uh, so I have a lot of things to say about this, but I'm going to hard disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I hope, right. I, I hope you know, maybe you guys are fans of the video, um, but I personally would have rather have seen something like that was an actual hype video. You know, kind of makes it seem like this is a, you know... It, an important event an exciting event and i you know as a competitor at worlds i was not very happy with the fact that they kind of memeified this event that you know so many people were you know working working really hard for to try to get into right and then you know you kind of you get into this event you know it's supposed to be like a kind of big opportunity that you're taking super seriously and then you kind of see this video and you're like well okay this, i guess i guess this is this is going to be how it's portrayed um and so when i saw it i was uh uh <laughs> i the word could be upset um but 
Wow. Yeah. All right. Hey, we wanted your opinion. We got your opinion. Thank you. Frodan, what do you think? Um, I I very much agree with Ramkev. <laughs> let me let me In that back. That's a very confusing thing to say during the name of the segment. <laughs> I was gonna say. I uh, I disagree with this statement uh, for the reasons that Ramkev has mentioned. Uh, TFT already has a hard time feeling legitimized in front of the audience that is League of Legends. I think like I can't tell you how many comments I saw when I watch back the VODs or look at like you know different conversations on social media. Whenever TFT is mentioned in competitive sense, it almost feels like League players who already struggle with inferiority complex come out of the woodworks to just dunk on a game mode that you know that they also suck at. So it's like one of these things where it's really tricky to bring people to take the game seriously competitively already. And now we're kind of adding an additional layer to that where even promotionally, it makes it feel like uh, Riot doesn't take it that seriously. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that there's a lot of room for whimsical, you know, outlook on what TFT is. I, I mean, you know, Seth's doing sit-ups for crying out loud as his activation, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's not that serious. We're playing video games, right? And like yeah. we're, we're we're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, clicking things on the screen. So let's just you know not take ourselves that seriously. I'm all for it. But the problem is, uh, you know, that's like the main promotional video. I view this kind of content, and I also want to say I'm a huge fan of Avi's content. I think it's super funny, and I think she's great. I think she's really charismatic. I couldn't be happier that she you know made a little extra cash doing this kind of stuff. But very similar to like. The uh, what, what, what was the LCS after part of the sushi dragon scenario where it's just like yeah. this doesn't fit, man. This doesn't fit the the the, the mood, the tone, the kind of the, the hard work, right? When Kurum qualified for world championships and he like cried on stream because of how much like passion and hard work and effort and enthusiasm all came gushing out at once when it culminated in this winning moment, like that's the kind of emotion that we should be capturing, not like. The, the kind of embarrassment that feels like to be associated with, you know, being being pointed as a joke. It took like a minute and a half in that video for the first name of a competitor to be shown. And this was like six months in the making, man. And so, again, it's not a bad video to put out. I think the content is great. I love everything about it. But when it's the only thing that's promoting the world championship, it's like we're having dessert before the appetizer in the main course, right? Like this is the stuff that you add on top once everything else has been established. You can't just build everything off of memes because that's not an actual foundation. The memes come from the actual content itself. So I, this is a little bit of a long-winded rant, but you know, I do not think it was a good way to portray TFT esports. And I, my disappointment was also... Uh, quite immeasurable when I saw like this was the main advertisement piece. Uh, it's a lesson learned, and I'm sure that they got they they know that. And I think it was a good it was a good idea, but it could have been executed way better. Yeah, I think that was beautifully said, Frodan. Uh, for me, this is an easy disagree too. Um, I've I've worked with Avli in the past; she's totally awesome. Um, but I think you when you you brought up Sushi Dragon as well, you you hit the nail on the head there, right? Where this kind of content is is fantastic content it's really funny we have some very creative people in there but this was not the time for it um and whenever i see something like this i i think to myself na just doesn't quite get it yet and i think back to my time at ogn uh, my time in korea where they did such an incredible job 
balancing the inherent silliness of playing a video game like this with the real the very real dedication and effort it takes to be at that level you know and that's something i've always said where have fun with the video game and respect the players right um if you go back to the uh, all the league of legends casting i did over the years too we made so many jokes in those broadcasts and we said so many silly things we had so many silly situations we dressed up like shen we did all sorts of stuff but when it came time to recognizing the achievements of the players you take all the silliness out because there's nothing silly about the effort that goes into doing what they're doing right and so where this is this is worlds for tft right this is the pinnacle of of competition for team fight tactics and so, uh, like you're saying, to go so long in the video without even mentioning a player, to have the focus be on sort of the silliness rather than the, you know, achievements. There is a time and place for silliness and stuff like this. This wasn't it. Um, I think it, it missed the mark in a big way. And uh, like you said, lesson learned. So hopefully next time we'll see a blend of that. Because there's definitely room for this type of content within the broadcast. Oh, yeah. OGN always did tons of silly stuff with where they'd have like the players play like a League of Legends version of Jenga or something like that. And they'd put those like video segments between games during commercial breaks. So there's all sorts of time to do fun things with the game and with the players. But when it comes to introducing your whole event, please focus on the effort and the and the achievements that these players have, you know, gone through to get here. That's all we ask. So yeah, that's about it. Good discussion. Um so like let's move on to esports news uh and of course first thing we got to talk about is uh the na results obviously we've talked about those uh, a little bit as well uh but here once again our na representatives kuro mismatch socks dqa and uh ramkev who is joining us right now now i want to uh, jump ahead with this right away and talk about something that's been going on a little bit uh because i i really can't wait to hear your opinion on this ramkev and this is the uh, sort of in-house quote-unquote scrims, right? Where we've got all these players that have qualified playing together. Um, and in, in my, this just blows my mind because in all my years of esports, I've never seen pros be so open as far as practicing with each other and, you know, kind of exposing their, their plans. Obviously, there's not a lot of secrets you can keep in TFT prep, but you can reveal things like trends, right? Tendencies certain players have that other ones can pick up on, and this makes it easier for them to research it. So it what what's what's the deal, Ramkev? Is it is it that hard to find prep elsewhere, or are you just not worried about people kind of sharing things? Um well I guess the first thing, um I I don't think all the players are taking the in-houses like super seriously in the sense that, you know, You'll, you know, if you're streaming, you'll probably just still be talking with chat. You'll still be doing stuff like that. Um, some of them, it's sometimes it's a good time to like test out comps that you know, like, okay, I'm not too familiar with this comp. I want to see, you know, how well it would do in these types of lobbies. So, you know, you can test that kind of stuff out. Um, but I think like it, it is a little bit hard to find uh, like very high quality lobbies all the time. Um, so, like, if you play on ladder, you know, and you're like a top challenger player, a lot of the time what's going to happen is you're just going to get into a lobby that's just like, you know, two challengers, uh, you know, four four GMs and two two masters. And this set is even like, you know, it means even, it's a little bit even worse, like two, like originally like in set four, you know, if you see four GMs, it's like not terrible, right? But now, you know, with the increased thresholds of challenger and GM, right? With the more spots, it's actually... Uh, around like 
you would basically be, you know, you'd have like one challenger, one GM, and then six master players would be like the equivalent uh, from set four, right? Um, so a lot of the times it's kind of hard to find, you know, lobbies where you can get basically really high quality competition for, from every player, right? Um, and I think like that's the, that's probably one of the main motivations for playing these types of in-houses because like, uh, you know, obviously during leading up to regionals, there were some in-houses among the NA players, right? Just to practice like, what is it like to play with, you know, top challenger players as like every single slot in the lobby because there are things that you can do on ladder that you can't get away with um, mm -hmm. in like a in a fully stacked lobby because people are going to be a lot better at punishing you for doing those things that, you know, a, a master or GM player is never, ever going to be able to do. Um, so I think that's one of the main motivations. Um, and on the, on the same note, like, you know, information exchange is not... Is, is is not like the worst right because you know it's i think especially for players that are very flexible and i want to say that like a lot of the players in here are very very flexible right so you know you, you see one comp that you might have never seen before you see one of these top players play it a lot of the times they'll be able to look at it once and be like okay i see the concept behind this you know this is not something that i would have ever thought of on my own i'll pick it up now um so you know the information exchange is there. Um, so in that way, it is beneficial. Um, obviously, you know, you might be trying to hide some strategy, like some strategies that, you know, you might not want people to know about. But honestly, like if all of that information is usually like somewhat public, you know, you could go into somebody's lol chest. You know, you can't hide your lol chest, right? You can just go in their lol chest and be like, oh, this, these are the comps they have. These are the items they're using, right? Like, and make those and secret alts. Yeah, I think the secret old accounts. Um, but most people will be like climbing on ladder. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, if if there's really something that you wanted to like hide, like when when there's like a meta comp, right? Uh, you know, you're never gonna be able to hide the meta comp from from a top player, right? Because they'll be like, yeah, of, of course, that's that's a strong comp, right? And there are comps that you know that could be strong, but I feel like most people would be aware of it at that point. It's not like, you know, in TFT information is like all all in the open, right? It's like a full information type of game. You can see what what's on people's benches. You can see what boards they're playing. So in that sense, like, um, you know, if there were really like a super, super secret, um, and maybe this is maybe this is wrong. Maybe you can pick up on like more, more subtle things as if, if you pay a little bit more attention, but I, I feel like, you know, getting used to the environment and maybe, like, getting used to, like, what it'd be like, because, you know, obviously the, the, the players in China are going to play in very different lobbies than from NA, right? Because those, the sure. players in China, uh, so I'll just give an anecdote, right? Like, you'll be playing a game with, like, three Chinese players, right? And, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're going up against the board that's completely empty, Right. And like NA, you know, they might have one unit on the board, you know, the one or two units on the board. But like in China, what they do is they, they say like, oh, my God, this guy is trying to lose streak, but I'm trying to lose streak. The only way that I can beat that is if I don't play any units on my board and I RNG it. So they'll like completely open for it. Right. Like you'll be looking at their board one one round. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be like, OK. And then you'll look like and then they'll get matched up against you. And you'll be like, wait, they had four units on their board before and now it's completely gone. Mm -hmm. Um but like you know, it's it's stuff that I think 
you know, if, in those new environments, it's actually pretty good to get used to. And I'm sure, like, for, for, like, a Chinese player playing with, like, other regions, right, it's the same thing. Like, they probably are not used to those types of play styles. So, in, in that sense, like, it's good because you can familiarize, like, for, for the player personally, you can familiarize yourself with that. Okay. Um, so, there, there, I feel like, it's, at least now, the benefits kind of outweigh the, the, the detriments, I would say. Interesting. All right. Uh, I one more quick question for you. Uh, if there was a way for you to practice and get good quality practice in a way where none of the other players would be able to see it, would you still play with the other players that are qualified, or would you take that more secret method of practicing? Um, more secret method of practicing. Ah, uh, yeah. If there was a hypothetical magical way where you could get good practice and not reveal anything to anyone. Um. Yeah. I mean. I, I honestly just think practice is practice. Um, personally, sure. I don't try to hide too much, like in in the way of like the comps that I play. There there are certain things that I do with like positioning and stuff that I think, uh, or like you know how how I try to like pressure a lobby that I don't want to talk too much about like all the time. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, in that case, like if I could get high quality pressure, like practice elsewhere, it'd probably be beneficial. It's just that, you know, right now, I think it's very difficult to get that, like, uh, because you basically need to get, like, a top challenger player, and if they're not qualified for Worlds, they don't really have too much of a reason to, like, be like, I'll play in these in-houses, or I could just climb on ladder and get rank one. Uh, They'll probably climb on ladder. Teams out there, team owners out there in esports, sign eight TFT players, get those in-houses going, and then uh, then we'll be able to do that. Dream come to you, right, Frodan? I mean, uh, in a, in a ideal world, yes. Uh, it doesn't have to be that complicated. You know, I, we, we can just organize like high quality practice and do so. But, um, yeah, like, you know, in card games, for example, information is power, uh, a lot of times because they're looking for like things like the random tech cards or like this little thing that can give them an edge. Um, so coming from that background, it is kind of shocking to see like how open information everyone's willing to share. Uh, and to answer your question, if I was Ramkev, would be yes. If there's a way to keep things secret, I would. Um, unfortunately, it just not it's, it's it's it doesn't seem to be possible, like logistically, for the, all the reasons that Ramkev said. Not the, right the now, yeah. is, uh, solo queue is really soft right now, um, and there's just a lot of people who just like run it down just because they they want to play Fortune every game because they think it's fun, right. or you have somebody who like. Is just basically copy pasting what they saw Bebe do without understanding, and therefore like kind of skewing the lobby. Like there's just, there's like a ton of things going on that you can't account for. So it's a stopgap for now to to practice. But my prediction is that if TFT you know can really get things together and become you know super sweaty and competitive like that uh, to the point where even the top players don't have to stream to be uh, to make TFT a career. Uh, you might start seeing stuff like that. People who like, you know, make barcode accounts and don't tell anyone who they are. And it's just like the secret like practice account for them to to hide all their like really big like secret tech that they're trying to practice. Or just having like, you know, dummy accounts to practice on so nobody knows how to scout them and they're playing custom lobbies with only their friends and this kind of stuff. I think that will eventually come over time. But for now, we're still in the early forms formative years and stages. So I don't think it's necessary. I'm going to make a prediction here. I'm going to predict that by the end of this year, uh, at the very least, Chinese esports teams will be doing this. They'll have enough TFT players that they'll start doing in-houses. And maybe maybe Korean teams too, but I think at least Chinese teams by the end of this year are going to be doing this. I'll make a wild prediction there that I don't think is so wild, but we'll see. We'll check back in at the end of like 
the next set and see how I did. But uh, now it's time to do our tier list. And it's going to be a little bit different of a tier list. We're going to have you pick the final lobby of Worlds. You're going to pick the top eight players in Worlds. It's your top eight Worlds tier list. In any oh. order, you can just tell us where to put them. You can move it around, whatever you want to do. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this is going to be a little bit difficult for me because, you know, there are some players that, one, I played very few games with and mm. also have not <laughs> watched any. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can I put my ideal play, <laughs> ideal tier list where I, everyone that I it's want? It's your to list. Okay. You can interpret it how you want. In that case, I, I would be happy to put everyone that I would like to like to be in top eight. So if I could stick all four <laughs> representatives. Are these people sure. you're confident you can beat, or are these people you would think are good enough to make top eight? This is just people that like I'm familiar with and I like. <laughs> oh, wow. so this is a top eight popularity it's contest. Like, it's like a yeah. homie. It's like a homie tier list. Ah, I see. This is a top eight squad members for Ramkev. Yeah, squad members. Like, I, you know, in that case, I would probably, I mean, if, if it were top eight, just in general, I'd probably put socks there. No, I just have socks. I, sure. It's kind of hard to order these types of things. Um, well, you have to give us a reason for each player, then, now. Yeah. See, yeah. here's the thing we would let you get away with just giving us a name for, for how good they are if you were really ranking them in terms of your perceived skill of them. But if this is like a, a squad thing, like a buddy a, a buddy thing, you have to give us good yeah, reasons yeah. for everyone to be on there. Mm -hmm. I mean, socks. Socks. One, one. I think socks is a great player. Um, but you know, sometimes he stops by in my chat, says uh, says some funny things. Uh, one time he helped me with a vibe review, so you know that was great. Um, you know, also in a rep, pretty good. And I feel bad that socks has to wake up at three thirty all three uh, like for 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 each day of competition. So you know, give give him. I'll give him this one. <laughs> all right. Uh then I put myself there, just because I would like to be in the top. <laughs> I would like to make the last day. You are um, your own homie. All right. Yeah, I am my own homie. Um, let's see who else we have. Pie Hat. I would. I would like Pie Hat to make top eight. Um, just because you know, Pie Hat. Pie Hat is. Uh, Pie Hat actually spends a lot of time, in uh, in my chat and on my Discord. So I think we've gone to be, become pretty. Pretty pretty close. I would, say. I would like Pi Hat to do well also yeah. because he's on my fantasy draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm 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 a big fan of Pi Hat, and I hope I hope Pi Hat does well. Uh, P I E H A T, and I don't know if the extra T is in there all the time, but for for reference, our producer asked how it was spelled, and Ramkev just just answered. So that's why. <laughs> the rest of you, it sounded like he just spelled it out for no reason. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then DQA. I think uh, I I'm just gonna put all the NA representatives because I think. All right. <laughs> you got to give reasons though. DQA, you have, you have specific I think, reasons. I think DQA. You know, he's a he's a young he's a young upstart. You know, he's still in high school. Uh, you know, he's gonna do the anime protagonist thing where you know his house got. Zephyr in real life by a tornado, so it's got to make that yeah, comeback sadly. from adversity. Um, and then Kurum, because uh, Kurum, Kurum has all the memes supporting him. He's got the he's got the meme backing all of the all the Twitch chat memes. 
there's a there's a very nice coffee pasta about how he's currying the worlds um and then you know everyone else um <laughs> I, would, I, I think, I think this, this is actually like a gameplay type thing uh there, there's a chance if if he high rolls i think narkesh can make it um oh, all right wow so people this is just based off of the lobbies um uh okay. because i think the way that narkesh play at least from what i've seen is very high risk high reward uh, so there's there's a chance that you know on any on, like if you if you hit two days in a row, you know you can probably make it a lot of day. We're getting into some skill rankings here. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah, good, good. Let's keep this going. Go yeah. All of the eight with homies. There's not enough. There's not because like every, I'm not familiar with everyone else. <laughs> um, I think uh, one I would like to see uh, the Chinese player Jensa. So uh, are like. Fonzie is Fonzie, yeah, is what we call him. But it, yeah, you are yeah. correct; he's pronouncing it uh, phonetically correct. Uh, so, I like in terms of skill, I don't, I, I wouldn't say he's like head and shoulders above all the other Chinese players. But I think that the way that he plays is very, very interesting. I think that the types of comps that he goes are he goes for are like very, very different from like I think anybody else that you'll see at the tournament. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he does, and you know I think that I would personally just like to see him in top eight because I I like I just like seeing like different play styles like different different ways of seeing the game. So like the fact that he he plays so like in, in my mind like so differently from everybody else that I've ever seen is like you know I kind of want to see that in top eight, and then. Uh, Last one, uh, I, I played with some KR reps today, so maybe I'll, I'll put one in. Uh, I, <laughs> there's no one from EU in here. <laughs> I forgot to include anybody. It's because I filled up all the slots with any players. Sure. Um, but um, uh, I, I think SCSC. <laughs> no EU. That's the right, that's the right nice. answer. I mean, uh, you... You've picked my entire fantasy team, I think. <laughs> yeah, we needed it based on the homie system, though, so uh, I'm kind of worried about your success this weekend, Frodan. No, uh, no, no. I picked uh, Wanzi, SESC, Pie Hat, and I, I picked a, a dark horse, Yutsu, Yatsuhashi from Japan, because someone's got to. Yeah, yeah, sure. of course. Sure. I mean, I, I feel like the, 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 I just don't know enough about any of the players, so I can't, like... And the thing is, I feel like skill-wise, I haven't really felt like anybody's just so head and shoulders above the other players where like it's like, wow, this person has to be in top eight, otherwise you're trolling, right? Like, you know, yeah. in the end, you know, there there are there are skills in TFT that are gonna separate some players from others. Right. But still there's still uh, you know a decent amount of RNG in there. So uh, you know, on any good day, there could be a player that makes it over another player even though you know they might be like you know, by a small margin they might have some larger skill set than the other one but you know you hit you hit right true enough all right well i think this is an interesting list it kind of it kind of flowed between different types of lists during the making of it but i think we got a good one at the end glad to see sc sc on there that's a, a player that uh, i followed 
for 10 years now across different games. So I'm hyped to see him in Worlds tomorrow. That's going to be fun. Uh, but now let's move on to our final segment of the day. It's going to be the mailbag. And we're going to go through a couple questions here. Here's one. Have you noticed any regional differences in terms of early item slams or early mid-game boards? If so, could you elaborate on some of the logic behind some of these preferences? Okay, Maybe yeah. One. I mean, okay, so the big one that I want to talk about is Chinese boards, just because we've been scrimming against the Chinese players a lot. So you get, and their play style is so different. For, like, I would love to talk about Korea, but I only played it with Korean players, like, in, you know, a few lobbies so you know it's not too much to go off of but like with the chinese players like i said earlier you know sometimes in the early game you'll just see an you open for no, no units right and normally you know when we think about things like open for right we generally gravitate towards stuff like the agon comp right because that's agon is probably one of the more well-known people that use utilizes strategy right you'll go for he'll go for open for he'll build lockets he'll go either assassin sharps right that's kind right. of his flow chart but you know for a chinese player it's completely different like they they'll like general like at least na na sort of theory is like you know if you want to play a four cost chosen you kind of want to maintain strongest board up until level eight right and then you want to get to level eight you'll have plenty of health you'll probably hit over some course of time the chinese the chinese way of thinking is very very different and uh i want to thank uh it was tanner um, so he's he's the Chinese content creator that posts all of the um, all of the regional finals on YouTube, for example. He makes some of the Reddit posts. Uh, he said to me, like, you know, their mindset is this: I have glove, bow, uh, rod start, right? Or maybe not glove, bow. Maybe just a bow start with it, like a glove, right? Okay. And then to them, they'll think I like it. he's confusing his opponents who are watching the stream right now. <laughs> yeah. Am I going like, oh, Am I going raw? I don't know. To them, to, like for us, we, you might think like, okay, last whisper slam, right? We'll get a Tristana. This will be, you know, strongest early board, right? Because Tristana is a very good early unit. We'll play that. We'll try to streak. For the Chinese players, it'd be like, I see RFC plus QSS. I'm going to make a Rage Blade. So what, what do I do? I'm just going to open for it. I'm going to open for it all the way up until like level seven. I'm going to roll all my units and hit Kale because I have perfect items and I have everything that I need. Um, hmm. But, I, you know, there are some players that do this. I think, like, when BoxBox was playing a lot of Kale, right, he, he would basically just do open for Kale, right? Um, but Chinese players will open for anything. Uh, like, anything. Um, you know, they'll do open for Nikali, they'll do open for Cipher Carry, open for into Cultist, right? Um, so like, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, and you know, because of that, they'll greet their items a lot. Right. So, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to early streak, uh, and like a lobby that where people are just like trying to out open for each other, you know, it's pretty easy, but you know, suddenly, you know, they'll spike level seven at three, at like three, five. And like, where that, where did this kite, where, where did this board come from? Right. Like it just, just like. A few rounds ago, you had two units on the board, right? Mm. Um, but uh, it's, it's definitely like uh, very interesting, I would say. And it's it's pretty All fun right. to play. I would say. High quality answer overall. You know, I kind of I kind of expect meme answers just from because our 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 history with guests who just like you know simplify everything to one or two sentences. But I, I appreciate that. Kid. 
Yeah, I'm not prepared for such intelligent conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Ramkev. Let's True. look at our uh, next question here. Oh, by the way, we've been given the okay to go for an extra 30 minutes at times uh, on Teamfight Talk Show now. This is a recent development, by the way, of Frodo and, Frodo and I haven't told everyone yet. So, yeah, we can actually have a longer show. That's why we're already at 7.15. Right. We're still going. On the, on the night where ending. we're supposed to wake up the next day at 3 a.m., we decided to host our longest episode yet. I'll go to bed right after this and wake up at 2 a.m. Don't worry. Uh, are you going to try to change your play style to better counter the other regional play styles? Um, I mean, try change my playstyle. No. Um, so my playstyle has always been like very, uh, you know, the word is flexible, right? Like, uh, in any given lobby, there's going to be different things that you have to do in order to like for what you could succeed. Some players are more rigid than others. Um, but you know, just based off of lobby state, you can just adjust what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, if you think people are being aggro, then you have to pick up on that and you got to play aggro. If you think people are going to be full open for it, then you can be a little bit more greedy, right? Um, and, you know, that's something that I'm used to just because, like, I generally don't like to stick to the same game plan from game to game. I wouldn't say that I have, have like, a game plan that I said in stone, like, oh, man, I got BF start, I'm going to go Slayers, right? If I go BF start... There are, like, every single comp of the game used BF, right? Like, in that case, I'm just, like, I'll just make random items and I'll play whatever comp that, you know, I feel like playing in this lobby, what I think is going to do well in this lobby, right? Um, but, you know, in terms of play style, I don't think I've done any adjustments. Um, I have I have tried, like, <laughs> you know, there's some, some games where, you know, Sox and I will be in lobby, uh and on ladder uh and then we'll, we'll like open fort just to test out the chinese style <laughs> but like that's not really like what i'm trying to do like in tournament yeah all right as a follow-up question how uh this was a question that was kind of like asked to me by uh another talent esports law who'd be uh, analyzing stuff for worlds. Uh, you know, like, how do you go about like learning trees in particular? Because you are a wide player. And so, you know, a lot of people prefer to watch VODs. They're, they're like trial and error. Some people get coaches. Um, you know, like, so how, how do you go about like learning as wide as you, as you do? Right. Um, so basically, and I think, uh, one one thing is like I'm relatively quick when it comes to like processing information. Like I might not. This is why. Wait, you know, are you built different? I was gonna no, say. No. I was gonna say built different. Oh my god, he's built different. Is, <laughs> His brain is superior. <laughs> I can pick up on comps relatively quickly. So when somebody says like, you know, I'm not familiar with a comp, um, I generally don't have that kind of like issue in the sense that, you know, I can. A lot of the times I can see it once and be like, okay, that's how you play it. I'll just play it like that. Um, but man, instant downloading that, of all comps and styles. I think, like, for me, it's been a lot of like seeing what is necessary to, to succeed in various lobbies. Um, so, like, you know, if you can play every comp, the best way to utilize that is to figure out what pack you should be taking, like, you know, if, if you let's say you have all all different every single comp of the game open to you at the start of the game, right? 
you get X item drop, you get these units. You you kind of have to narrow your field a bit and it's and you know, narrow it down to, you know, maybe you had like twenty comps. Now you narrow it down to like five comps, right? And you in the end you had to decide on something, right? Um so a lot of what I do is mostly trial and error. Um so like seeing okay, um if I do if I have rod rod, how how much can I lean towards like Slayer before I get punished, right? Um, because you know, obviously Rod Rod is not gonna be amazing when you're trying to play Slayers because you want GA, you probably want like some crit gloves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, <laughs> this actually happened to me in the the last day of regional qualifiers. It's like <laughs> I had Rod Rod tier and I got like Slayer chosen Z. And I was like, well, I'm I'm gonna try to play six Slayers from this spot. <laughs> so I had Slayer chosen Z and decap on on a wow. on a what's this uh Darius. And it, it went ter- that was my one A because I was just trying to <laughs> that I was like yeah. not familiar with and it just went terribly, right? But like sometimes you have to do that kind of stuff if you really want to like know what you can and can't get away with. Um so like right. I don't really I I've never been coached before and I don't really like reading guides because I feel like uh yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. All right. Don't read guides, don't get coaching just be smart it's fascinating that's it it just clicks though it it just clicks all right well here's our final question where do you see the future of uh tft esports going and what will it take to make it even more successful from a player perspective Mm -hmm. i mean i would love to see tft esports just take off Uh, obviously like you know i really really enjoy playing this game i think like you know, I even even if I didn't make worlds, like I think playing this game is just like so much fun. And I, you know, there are a lot of people that complain about it, but like I, I honestly like I just have so much fun playing the game. And I, I would love to see esports take off as well. Uh, so you know, you can play the game even more. Uh, obviously, I think it's very very far from that point. Um, I think. I think China is a little bit closer to that. Um, you know, they they already have like huge prize pools for their their qualifiers, things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in NA, I would say like the tournament scene is very very lacking. Um, well, maybe not very lacking, but you know, there are a decent amount of tournaments, but not enough big ones to really incentivize like top players to be constantly playing in them. For example, like you hear people talking about like why are the why are the people in France so good? It's because they all they have this this tournament scene that like people can get better at playing against good good players constantly, right? Whereas in NA, most of the time the people at the top of the ladder are just that, right? They're they're people that, you know, play play these normal ladder lobbies, whereas like there's really not not that much incentive outside of these qualifier events to really like be like, okay, this is a this is an environment where I can play against like top players and you know really see what these kinds of lobbies are like so in that sense like i think they re- like the tournament scene really needs to to grow there needs to be like kind of that incentive for for players to do that kind of stuff because right now like at least this past season there hasn't been too much i would say right like i i think for example like the giant slayer like the Ch- the challenger series events were great right um but 
you know, that's only open to like eight players on ladder every time, right? And you know, if if we have like all of these open qualifier events again where like they're all marred with like these logistical issues, right? You had the issues with the finals in the very last one, right? Like if if that's if that's gonna be the norm, like it's it's gonna be very slow in terms of the the progress that it can make. Because I think you're that, saying bring back Giant Slayer series. I hear you. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think Frodo and I would like that too. That'd be great. Yep. Just saying. Just just not on Saturdays or Sundays, please. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's keep it like the Monday, Tuesday thing. That was perfect. Yeah, yeah. I got I got I got stuff to do. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right, we've got a giveaway winner to uh, announce. And again, of course, if you want to possibly be a giveaway winner, you can submit questions next time around. Our giveaway winner this week is uh, D Wolf X. There you go. Congrats. You're a giveaway winner. You asked a great question. We liked it. That's why we chose you like a Pokemon. Only you get a gift instead of being put in a ball and only allowed to come out when you're fighting something. So it's better for you, really, than the Pokemon. So congratulations. D Wolf X, you are the winner. And that's going to do it. That's our show for uh, pre set four worlds. When this show comes back, we're going to be talking about set five. That's going to be exciting, Ooh. is it, Rodan? Yeah. Doesn't PBE release by the time we do our next episode? Uh, the 12th, I believe. Yeah. All right. Is that wow. next Tuesday? So yeah. fast. Unannounced. It's out there. Thank God. Can we just say that? <laughs> I- <laughs> He's I really right. enjoyed set four, so yeah. Yeah, no, set four is but, great. But I'm looking not forward to set five. At all. Yeah. It's not an indictment at all about the Festival of Beats. I've had many Lucky Lanterns uh, that I, I've been very happy with, but I'm also ready for new stuff. Indeed. Well, Ramkev, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you for joining us. Any final words before we finish the show and let you get some sleep? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people probably don't think that I've gonna get that far in the tournament because they probably don't know me because i'm not that big of a streamer and you know i haven't been that big of a competitor but i say uh you know i'm gonna try my hardest and well we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes all right well yeah i think you've got a great attitude you've got the skills uh best of luck tomorrow in the tournament frodan any any parting thoughts before we end it tune in tomorrow uh, 8 a.m. Eastern. It's going to be great. Indeed. Yeah. 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific. That's when we'll be getting started. It's going to be it's going to be great. I think we're all going to get some sleep. We're all going to get up then, have some coffee, get uh, you know, splash some cold water in our face and get ready to cast some of the best team fight tactics you've ever seen. But for this show, thanks for watching. This has been Team Fight Talk Show. A big shout out again to the crew behind the scenes that makes this show work and to the team over at Riot that makes the game we get to make a show about. That's pretty great too. So thanks for watching everybody. We'll see you next time on Team Fight Talk Show. Definitely come and watch the finals starting tomorrow. It is going to be amazing. Until then, stay safe, enjoy TFT, get ready for set five and uh, we'll see you, see you at Worlds.